In tonight's episode, we talk a lot about Ludwig Marine. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Ludwig before we get started. Ludwig Marine is a full-service marine dealership with brands like Ranger, Triton, War Eagle, Mercury, Yamaha, Tahatsu, Honda, Gatortail, Copperhead, and the new kids on the block who are locally made in Ruston, Louisiana, Reaper Boats. Duck guys, listen to me. Throw your favorite motor on the Timber Reaper ST, and boys, you're going to have something that everybody will be jealous of. For all your new boat needs, any accessories or additions, go see Ludwig Marine on Highway 33 in Farmerville, just as you cross beautiful Lake Darbone, or on 165 South in Monroe. So, the Wise Eye, it's currently at my house, and for a few reasons. Number one, it's late in the year, and I've got some toes that need thinning out on my place. Number two, I enjoy wild hog sausage. Now, I've got some wild hogs on my place, okay? I've also got some wild hogs, and the other night, the Wise Eye went off and let me know that one of them was out there. I ran out there in my long handles and my bloodline hoodie, took it out, and I love the aspect that I can do that. I can be sitting here got a hog detected go out there and take care of it and then lastly i've got probably the smartest dog i've ever had right now and this dog knows how to get around the you know i've got it in the ground fence and she knows how to get around that the wise eye lets me lets me know when she exceeds that so the best thing going sale camera wise man these are some great cameras you can find them at the digital outdoor store on facebook amazon's got them and you can also see them on the wise eye technologies web page some of the greatest cameras clear pictures incredible camera uh, trigger speed check them out wise eyes they're the way to go well we're going to do a little bit of something different today we're going to talk fishing hunting's kind of trending out uh, a lot of guys in north louisiana have been hunting pretty hard since october and kind of got a little fishing on our mind in fact i went fishing the other day and it kind of gave me the itch to do this podcast so we're going to talk a little preseason fishing gear, prep, what you can do, how you can keep everything in working order. Gary Calloway from Ludwig Marine. You're going to like it. Gary's a good guy. I had never spoken with Gary before we talked, and trust me, I think I'm going to talk to him a lot from now on because this guy's number one a wealth of knowledge, and he's just an overall good dude. So give a listen to this one. I hope you guys like it. Gonna try something a little bit different this week. Deer season's kind of winding down. I've been after it hard since the first part of October. I know a lot of guys are right there with me, maybe just a little bit behind me, but it's kind of – I got my my crappie whistle wet the other day, I guess you'd say, and now I'm really, really liking fishing. So I got a guy come on to talk to us, Gary Calloway, and Gary is really uh, – he's a good fisherman. And he knows about a uh, little bit about them boats a little bit, don't you, Gary? Yes, sir. <laughs> tell us tell us where you work at, Gary. Uh, Lubbock Marine on Lake Darbone, uh, Farmerville, Louisiana. How long you been there? Uh, six years. Yeah. So I got to, I've been talking with Gary for about, I don't know, 10 minutes before we got started on here. And I can already tell the guy, he's, he puts a lot of thought and some of the stuff that he does, and I'm I'm already excited for this one to talk about. What we want to talk about, Gary, you know, is some of the the prep that's going to go in, some of these people coming off hunting season, 
they're looking at going fishing. What's some of the prep? That's kind of what I want to talk about. Some of the things they need to be doing before they get going out on that water and before they get ready to fish. What are we supposed to be doing? But right now, I want to talk about you real quick. Give us a little background on you, bud. I've been 47 years old, pretty much fished my whole life, and been in the boating industry over 30 years now. And i uh, been at the crappie thing since about 07. Uh, left the bass scene to to come to the crappie side. It's just been a good thing. Yeah. Now you you said you didn't you live out in East Texas for a little while. I did. Um, I cut my teeth on Sam Rayburn, Toledo Bend, and Lake Conroe for a lot of years. From oh, I'd say twelve, thirteen years old on up to about uh, thirty two, thirty three years old is uh, when I decided to move back this way. So how does Sam Rayburn compare? I've I've, I've heard that. I've got a guy actually I work with that talks about Sam Rayburn. How does it compare to the waters over here that some of these local guys are fishing in North Louisiana? Oh, it's just a lot bigger body of water. Still has all the same elements, you know, moss, stumps, um, flats, and uh, submerged timber. It's just on a, you kind of have to take it and break it down in pieces because you can fit three or four darbone into that one lake. Man. So it's a, it's a good bit. It can be overwhelming just because it's so big, but it's really just a great fishery that offers everything, every style of fishing that a man could think he wants to do. Yeah. You know, and it's odd that you say that because I've, I've heard people talk about crappie fishing. The guy that I work with is a bass fisherman. I mean, it's, you know, it does sound like it's something that's something for everybody really. It is. It's, there's, Literally every fish you want to talk about, from crappie, catfish, bass, even even the big gar. They're ki- they've, they've killed gar over 200 pounds on that thing, bow fishing. Mm. Um, so it's it's literally got everything there. It's just a, it's so big, you have to kind of respect it as a big body of water. Yeah, I can. But outside of that, it's a great place. Yeah, it sounds like it's definitely a spot that you really want to be ready for when you go over there, for sure. Yeah, it definitely so your tournament fishing career started over there yeah i started there in a Redman series back in the mid 90s and uh we could trailer boats back then and fish out of small rigs seen it leave that and go into where you had to have a 17 foot 17 foot boat with a running live well and 125 minimum to make the series or they wouldn't even let you uh, qualify to fish and it just went from there to what we what we see now. Mm-hmm. How was it? Did you find you liked that a lot back then, or or was it a little bit uh, overwhelming at certain times? No, I loved it. It's it's got, probably what's what's driven me this entire time. Okay, okay. So you did that from what mid nineties till when? Mid nineties, oh seven. I left Texas to come back to Louisiana. Um, just to get back towards the home ground where all my family's from and, uh, found myself looking around trying to figure out what I was going to do here and fell off in the crappie scene and just hung with it and, and trying to learn it and keep growing with it, you know? Yeah. I'm not tell you, man, it's something that I'm, I'm really proud to see number one, that it is growing. Number two, we've got a lot of support in this area in in the crappie fishing you know we've got a lot of good places to fish we've got a lot of communities that are putting a lot of effort into attracting fisher fishermen and it's just 
I think it's a really a good uh, a good. St- I think we're seeing the, the the beginnings of something that's going to be really special around here. I agree. It's it's something that a lot of different people that are not necessarily true tournament fishermen can relate to because they've done it at some point in time in their life. You know. Yeah. Hey, I tell you, you know, we were talking earlier about the crappie fishing and how it's you know this is this is the beginning of it and and you know it's going to take several years for it you know to probably blossom into something like what bass is i was listening to a podcast today and it's in i can't i think it's out of illinois or something like that you know i'm just trying to figure out the format of some of these fishing podcasts and the guy there was one guy was from illinois and one guy was from indiana and they were talking about fishing up there, and all of a sudden, he the, one of the guys had came down and fished Darbon, and he yeah. mentioned Lake Darbon, this, that, and the other, and then they started talking about, you know, other lakes around Grenada and whatnot. And I was, I thought, I thought, man, that is really cool. I had no idea that they were even going to talk about any lakes around here, much less Darbon. Uh, so that was, uh, it was really cool that some of these guys from as far away as those actually get to come and fish around here. We have a ton of people come in from out of town, and I get to meet quite a few of them in the Crappie Masters and ACT tournaments. They come through needing different things, and it's a great group of guys, a few hundred guys at a time come through, and there's a lot that come into town just to fish because they've heard about the lake. They don't even care about tournament fishing. They're just here to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely on the uh, on the rise, you know, if, and if we, we do right and do and hopefully get some back and get some support, we can get those fish uh, up there where it, like like everybody wants them to be, you know some of those some of those big old good ones, man. I tell you, we got to hold some the other day. Like I was telling you, I got to go, I got to experience the live scope for the first time, and we caught several good fish. And hey, I was out. We were out there for I think we were out there for five hours. It was mid forties. It was the day that the cold cold front was pushing in, and I I wasn't ready to go. I really, you know, my buddy that was with me. You know, I think he has somewhere to be, and I'm, I'm like, golly, man, I, I can definitely see where, you know, it ke- it gets people on the water. It's to me, you know, as a hunter, I tell people it's kind of like trail cameras. You know, just because you got them on live scope, don't mean you're going to catch them, and just because you got a deer on trail camera, don't mean you're going to kill him. It just makes right. it fun to go out there and gives you a little bit more incentive to sit there a little bit longer and go a little bit more often. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely pull on that if you have that competitive bug in you it'll definitely pull on you to make you want to just see what you can really get into and it it does have a touch of a touch of hunting to it in the sense of you're looking at them and you're trying to make, convince that fish to bite mm-hmm. and the hardest thing you'll ever do is drive by a fish to go to one that bites and you can see him and he, you know he should bite but he may not oh I, man we drop like i said we drop i bet i tried to put a lure in front of almost 100 fish the other day and i think 16 of them bit but it wasn't i mean it was it was fun because you you're interacting you know you know without it you don't you're not 100 percent confident that there's going to be a fish there however with this thing you know when you drop it you're looking at it you put it right in front of him and if they take it they take it and sometimes they'll trail it and trail it and you think they're going to get it and you get them a little bit away from that structure and they'll go right back and i'm like oh my goodness you gotta be kidding me but it is fun. It, yeah. Hey, there was a there was a guy right beside us that didn't have live scope, and he caught more than we did. You know, so that it's happens just about, at times. It's just about how, knowing where the fish are. 
Oh yeah, it's it. You know, you give. We have a lot of guys that are truly talented. What they do, but we always refer to as true sticks that pretty much don't need a lot of electronics to catch a fish. And those guys are flipping over into the electronics world, and it's doing nothing but making them a better stick. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about gear prep. Okay. Um, coming off deer season, coming off hunting season, duck season, this, that, and other, what kind of gear should our guys be looking for to use and how, how do they need to get everything rigged up and ready to go? Some of the maintenance that we need to be doing on this stuff before we hit that water. Really, it kind of starts out with just drag out what poles you have and see, you know, strip line, go to fresh line. That's, that's just a, probably the most important thing in my boat is a good fresh line that, is going to work for you and uh, make sure everything's tight and well oiled as far as your reels are concerned and then just inventory where you're at and with your tackle to see if you may need to go buy something down at the local store or if you what you truly have sitting there yeah you know because a lot of times most of us will buy you know you're gonna you'll buy redundance because you forgot that you bought 15 bags at K&M this week, you know? Right, right. That's right. Now, when you say oil in the reels, explain to some, like me, be honest with you, man. I'm, I'm probably a guy that I will, I will run whatever I had last year, not even think about oil and anything. But yet the guy that I went with the other day, he does. And man, you can definitely tell the difference and smooth and just easy going and so how does that go down how do where do you how does one oil properly oil a reel uh it um like on a spinning reel type it's you pull the front front face off of it and drop a few drops of oil on a bearing or two that's under that face of that reel um and pull your handle it has bearings inside that handle you can drop a couple drops of oil in there most of us are using a three-in-one oil or quantum uh, real sauce, which is like a little dropper. And then if you go over to bait casters, you clean the level wind off and drop you a couple of drops of oil on that level wind and smooth it up. Okay. It gets much past that. Most of us, there's a, a few guys around that offer real cleaning services where when you go climb on a stand in October, carry them a handful of them and let them clean them so when you get back out, out of the stand at the end of the season you can uh put your stuff back together and go back to fishing i like that idea i really like that idea i didn't know there were people out there that did that kind of stuff yeah um honey hole tackle has a drop drop and pick where you can drop your reels off and pick them back up and i believe um i want to say that kenny was talking about doing that at k&m and there's a couple local guys that are doing you know cleaning reels and fixing things you know bearings lock up in them what have you and they'll uh, level wines on your bait casters will start hanging up, and they can fix all that. And if you like me, most every reel you got in the boat's probably a couple hundred bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. Or you, you want to fix them instead of just replace them, you know. I had no idea fishing rods were that expensive until I was scoring one day up at K&M, and I'm just walking around, and I'm like, I looked at Justin Bailey and I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. He's like, no, man, I'm telling you, that's going price. I'm like, yeah, at least if somebody came in, bought four or five of them. I'm like, you got it's uh, it's definitely they're definitely expensive, but when it comes down to it, it's they're the good ones. You can they're all they're really really nice to have in your hand. It 
it can make a difference in the sense of um, whether you enjoy it or not. Um, you know, if you if a guy you can walk in there and buy a hundred dollar or eighty dollar entry level decent rig and still do what you need to do if you know a little bit about how to pick it or somebody helps guide you on how to pick it. Whereas, and it's just like guns, you can buy a single shot twenty two and get it done. But if you, as you step up in quality, you step up in a better tool to use when you're out there, which in turn just makes it a better day a lot of times. You're right. You're you're exactly right about that. Sometimes it the the better the the tool, the better the experience. You're a hundred percent accurate on that one. I'll give you that. That's good. That is good. So we've got that down. Now let's talk about line. What kind of line you like to use? I'm running. 10 pound or 12 pound fluorocarbon line i'm using cr red label which is just readily available most anywhere you want to talk about um you know my favorite two is k&m and honey hole mm-hmm. and it's sitting on the shelf anytime you walk in the door but you can also hit a button and get it online just real quick too um some of the guys are like our traditional rear seated poles you know fishing around the trees we're using eight pound monofilament in what's called Iser line or really any brand you like. If you've been using Trilene forever, stay with it. It's just fresh is the key, you know, cause it'll get a memory built to it or kinks in it and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And you just want to keep a fresh roll on there every few months, strip it. And, or if you feel it in your hand, feels kind of ratty, strip it and start over. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And eyes, you mentioned earlier when we were talking, you know, eyes, checking the eyes, making sure they're not busted or bent or anything like that. What should somebody do should they come across an eye that's that they didn't realize, you know, may have gotten stepped on or something got dropped on it and that's broken? What Where, where do they go with that? Um, As far as I know right now, Honey Hole offers a drop service where you can run in, they'll, they'll wrap a single eye. Um, if it's multiples, like your rod, if you look at the clearing on your rod and it's already starting to dry right on you and it's starting to really look sunbeat, I'll kind of lay that one to the side unless it's something that's given to me. And then I'll uh, I'll lay it to the side and get something new, you know. But I've got a couple that have been around my whole life that come through family that I'll never get rid of, you know. So I fix them no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Do you fish with those those older rods like that very often, or do you just kind of have them around? I mostly have them around, hanging on the wall. My my grandpa and grand and mom built rods in the seventies and eighties for a lot of guys like Steve Dana and guys like that to come up in the old Ford series. And uh, so I have some of that stuff around that they built. You know, man, that's cool. I like. I bet that is something to see. Yeah, they there's a lot more detail in the old rods and what's called the butt wine below your base between your pistol grip to your first eye they used to get real intricate with it where now there's just a label of what the action of the rod is and then there's a uh the right the eyes themselves are really small with a simple wrap on them which is really really clean look but it's not near the artwork it was and all the way up to probably early early 90s they did all the diamond butt lines and all the different stuff with multiple threads. So all that is basically cosmetic. It has no no purpose for any of the fishing part. No, um, back in the day they didn't have the handles and you know the different grips we have now and stuff and the actions in the newer modulus graphite rods. 
so they were using the wrap to strengthen the eye or strengthen the rod by the the amount of eyes on the pole as well as that butt wind down there in front of your handle that was all to change the action of the rod okay okay medium light on through a medium heavier heavy action pole yeah now that makes sense that makes sense i'm glad you brought up the weight so early season is there a specific weight you like to use kind of action rod um at all well it and if we're you know if we're in the into the true crappie scene, um, I'm chunking a seven-foot rod, medium action, the medium light. Um, I particularly use impulse rods out of Texas for that um, series. They're custom-built, a couple hundred bucks a piece or so, and they're super sensitive for those long-distance casts. And I uh, got a lot of backbone, but don't weigh anything, you know? Yeah. I want to get to a story here in a little bit when we go and talk about life. I just thought about that this story when you mentioned livecast about my dad. I don't know if you keep up with me on Facebook very much, but my old man is a, he's a character, and uh, <laughs> I, I got a story about you said longcast, and I thought I immediately went to him, and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to tell that story. So let's shift gears. Uh, can you think of any other thing on 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 gear that we need to do before we go into boat maintenance? I just. Really, it's just kind of, you know, pick through your stuff and see what you got and kind of get you a game plan for, I got a little box that's my go-to, and it's got my weights, hooks, just easy go-to stuff that is sitting at a finger's touch to where you're going to hang up, you're going to break off, and if you can, like me, I hit spot lock on my trolling motor and I can sit there and tie back up in just a few minutes' time, where if you got to get in and dig for it, it just makes everything that much more taxing throughout the trip, you know, is, is if it's sitting right there at your organized in your tackle tray, you, it's nothing to it. You know, and, and I'm going to relate, I relate everything you just said to the first two or three days of deer season, because the first, I always say the first two or three hunts for me are just a trial run. If I kill something, it's just dumb luck because nothing, I'll never have, man, I forgot my light or I forgot this or I forgot that. And once you go a little bit, you know, then you got you make sure you got all your stuff, and just what you just said is exactly what I re- related that to. It's just, you know, the easier it is to access, the better time you're gonna have, and and, and like you said, you can tie on another one and go right to it versus having to hunt for it. So that is a good tip, guys. You probably want to start doing this stuff. You know, don't do it the day before you go fishing. <laughs> you know, you kind of want to pace yourself into looking for stuff, making sure you got everything you need. Um, Give yourself a little time and get all your stuff together. So when it comes yeah. down to boats, Gary, you and I said before, and I mean, you said, you know, the, the, what you, how you put it up is everything from the year before, right? Yes, sir. Charged batteries, um, treated fuel, you know, um, I prefer to, whether it be, if it's a four stroke change engine oil and gear oil going into setting it up to go deer hunt or, you know, putting it up for the winter. Or even some guys put up starting at mid-summer when it gets 95 degrees, they quit fishing. And they may or may not get back in the in the water before they get in the woods, you know. And if you put one up with fresh fluids in it and treated fuel, you can go, when you do climb out deer stand or get off of a big job, you can run right out there and hook up to it, check, check make sure everything's charged up and flip a few switches on, make sure stuff's in working order 
and take off for that two or three hours you could sneak away from the house you know Mm -hmm. like me right now i've got i know i've got to bring mine up there i got a four-stroke yamaha and i haven't i bought the boat from uh from an old boy about a year and a half ago and so it's time i've got i don't get it on the water very often but you know, I want to make sure I've got all the good, uh, everything, like you just said, all the fluids in it look good and everything. I'd much rather let you guys look at it than pr- pay the price of ruining something like that. Yeah, it's, um, we're fortunate. We have a boat ramp that we back everything down and actually truly water test it. Um, that's been, I'll tell you, I got $60,000 in tools, but that boat ramp and actually seeing it act- in true action and working the way it's supposed to means more than anything i got in that shop because if you can see it run down the lake and hear it you can put your finger on what what may be going on that needs to be addressed or you you know at the end of that work order that you handed a man back something that's supposed to be right you know and i like that aspect you know you make sure you get them get them everything that that's right and i think when you when y'all had that put in where you built where you built and put in that ramp. I think I knew right there. I said, that's a big deal. That's going to help out a lot. They can actually, when they're working on something, you know, make sure that it is a hundred percent like it needs to be before the customer gets it back. So that's a good, that's a good thing right there. Well, and we'll find things that a customer didn't even, wasn't even aware of. That's, you know, um, I always say it that really, um, and a lot of guys, I have guys that take care of things, way overthink and take care of things to the 10th degree and then have guys that if it went to the fishing hole and came back it's good no matter if it really was or not mm-hmm. and um i get them in there that they say oh just check a few things i've been fishing and i'm wondering how it went down the lake when i dip it in the water start trying to figure you know check things out because it's in such rough shape right and you call them and say hey did you notice so and so well i kind of did but i wasn't sure mm-hmm so it helps, you know, and I invite them up to look, check it out, you know, so me personally, if I can look, see and touch it, I understand it way more than I do. Somebody just telling me about it. So, so I invite them up to look and check it out. And a lot of times they, well, you know, fix it, you know, take care of whatever it is. I, I, I trust you. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, when is a good time? They need like is right now kind of pushing it a little bit. Is the turnaround time a little long, or is it about yeah? Go ahead and start bringing them in because you know later on it's going to get busier. What what do you suggest? Go right now is about the perfect time. Um, you know we I've worked on it for I don't know since I moved up here. I've worked on getting my guys that have a long laundry list of stuff to dump it off to me when they go get in the woods so we can get things handled that way when they come out of the woods are ready to go but if they haven't or if everything's pretty much in working order just want to touch up on things um first right after first year i try to get them to get in there because by the time i'd say mid-february hits basically a little bit after valentine's hits um we're wide open i'll be there and y'all open saturday i'll be there <laughs> not, um We've gotten to the point where we run Monday through Friday. We we do a little bit of a deal where we let folks, if they work, um, have to get to work early and stuff, we let them drop drop off in front of the store and just call us and let us know what they what they need, you know, and things like that. 
And I also let them pay over the phone and pick up after five o'clock to help them out. Yeah, I'm on. I've got. See, I work in Arkansas, so but I've got a way I can get it there. Trust me. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and get it up there. I know I've got one battery that needs to get replaced, and uh, you know, just kind of go through and just make sure everything's good. So let you let the professional take a look at it. I got you. That's that's one thing. Um, right now, going through this cold weather, um guys need to get out there and hook your chargers up and get them batteries hot when it's cold. Um, because if you had one that's set up, you haven't attended in a little while and it's low on charge and that cold weather comes in, it's, it's going to kill it. Mm. Okay. So good hot charge helps that immensely. Matter of fact, when that freeze came in, I come out here and, and plug my boat up just for a peace of mind. You know, even though I knew it was charged, I still plugged it up. Yeah. That's a good idea. And see, I didn't even think about that. So I'll, you'll, I'll probably have more than one battery <laughs> that's going to need to be replaced. But, hey, you know, that's me being a, a new boat owner, uh, learning. You know, you hate, to, you hate to learn by fire or trial by fire, but, you know, I guarantee it won't happen no more. We have to have a little guaranteed money to keep us some sandwich money going on, you know. <laughs> there you go. I like that. That's right. <laughs> now, me and you were talking earlier about the live scope, about the sonar. Is there anything that, you know, if somebody's got one that they need to make sure and, and take a look at before we hit the water so that everything's good? Just check. Um, about everybody has them rigged up on either a pole or trolling motor. And um, it's, you know, we've – Garmin recommends that you strap everything down with electrical tape instead of a tie strap. So I just, and that tape will dry, dry rot over time. So you just want to go make sure all that's still where it was, make sure that it's not going to get pinched in anything. Because if you cut that transducer cable, there is a guy out there, Joey Cook, fixing them, but you're down for a week while he's fixing your stuff for a few hundred bucks or you replace the whole transducer for close to a thousand bucks. So, which turns a fishing trip into a sore subject at that point, you know. Uh, a very sore subject. Yes, sir. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but, uh, but just, go ahead. Just checking fasteners, you know, check your troll motor bolts, make sure all that's tight because over rough water and our, our beautiful rough roads we have around here, it'll shake things apart, you know. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that before, but you're exactly right. You know, stuff goes jarring and jamming around. I can I can bet that uh something like a trolling motor mount would work its way loose for sure. Yeah, probably one in three boats. And when I stick a my screwdriver on it, just checking things out, I'm gonna there's six bolts in most of them, and probably four out of six is loose. Man, that's uh that's kind of scary. It's you know I know that I'm I'm uh, I ask a, a lot out of my equipment. I fish over forty weekends a year and drag probably 15,000, 20,000 miles a year. So I I have to touch my stuff pretty regularly to keep it right. And I just know that, and through that, it uh, you see what goes on. And it's not a major deal as, as long as you touch it every once in a while and don't let it catch you, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's some stuff. Man, I'm getting some information I'd, I'd have never even thought. You know, not now that you say it, I think about it, but I'd have never even thought to to check a trolling motor mount and make sure. You, I guess it's one of those things you just take for granted, and you really know something like that. You can't take nothing for granted. It just it it comes from you know a lot of time out there and seeing and checking. We grab you know the quickest way you can do it is just grab a hold of the trolling motor shaft and pull on it, and if that base moves, it's it's loose. It'll it'll show itself pretty quick, but 
same way with power pole brackets, jack plates, all of that stuff. And even though it's nylon nuts and high quality steel uh, or stainless steel, that for that fact, it um, it still gets loose, and it may not make but a quarter round on it um, to tighten up, but it is loose, and over time, that'll cause problems. It'll it'll cause bolts to shear and things to happen. I've seen motors fall off of boats because they never checked their jack plates. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, now the the story about the long cast. So, I told my dad about going fishing with Joe in the live scope. And I said, yeah, you get you, you can see so far out and then you can see so far down. And, <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you, you know, you can see, you mean you can see out there 50 feet? And I said, well, if you set it up, you can. And he said, you going to throw it that far? I said, no, daddy, you don't throw it that far. I said, you got a longer pole and you kind of underhand it out there about, you know, if it's a little bit farther than the fish is and you kind of want it to kind of come in or you can drop it right on top of him. And then he said, y'all fishing with jigs or shiners? I said, we's fishing with jigs. And he, he is a, an old school shiner guy. And he oh, said, yeah. He said, I, t- I could tell they was jig caught fish. They didn't taste right. And I said, what? <laughs> and he was giving me a hard time. And then he said, i tell you what I'll do. I'm going to take my little brim pole. He's got an ultralight that he likes to fish with. He said, and I'm going to beat Joe Booth. I said, no, I don't think so, Daddy. You need, you need to, you know, get you a longer pole. He's got an, uh, I don't know what kind of pole he's got, but somehow or another he came across a longer pole. Uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm taking that, I'm taking that other pole, and I'm gonna beat him. I ain't got a cast way out there. I said, okay, you do what you got to do, Dad. You, you do what you got to do. So, oh, yeah. uh, he is, uh, he is a large fan of the shiner fishing, and he will, he don't want to jig fish at all. I tell you, the guys that, and it's an art, really. Um, you think the shiners just to throw it in the water and they'll bite it, and they do at times. But I'm a, I've stayed with the jig so long that when I go to shiners, I do okay, but I'm not that, like, I wouldn't be as good as him because I'm not used to that bite. And I think that's the thing about him and a jig, too, because he's not used to jig fishing. So right. he's more, it's all in what you're confident in, I suppose. Oh, 100%. You know, you go out there with what you're most confident in, you're going to be better with anything, you know. And so I'm trying to get Joe to line up a fishing trip. And I wish I was off work so I could go out there. I might would even do a live podcast right there from the boat to watch these <laughs> two. That would be great. Oh, it'd be fabulous, man. But uh, I got to, you know, somebody's got to make a living out there. So I got to go to work while dad's over there <laughs> piddling. So. Well, Gary, man, I really appreciate you tonight coming on and, and just talking real quick. I want to do more fishing style podcasts. Um, I think there's a large market out there for our listeners that, you know, people who, who like well-rounded outdoorsmen that do a lot of stuff and think that's where the fishing would really help these guys out and gain a lot of in popularity. So I really appreciate you coming on, man. So tell everybody again, they can reach you guys at Ludwig. You got, what's your telephone number out there? It's um, 318-595-5595 is our main location. Our phones are linked together. You call that number, you'll get the Monroe location, but they can send you anywhere in the business from Monroe to Farmville. That's right. And you do you ever work in the Monroe location? Uh, not normally. We have a really great crew there. Um, Roy Hoy is our main guy over there in the shop, and then Mitch is there on the regular, and so is uh, – Dustin Balance and Will Norris and uh, 
Jamie Hill is our parks guy out there. All of us are boaters, fishermen. We all, we do it because we love it, you know. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of helps out when the customer walks in or somebody walks in and says, I need so-and-so. You're, uh, you kind of can relate to it pretty quick. Yeah. Now, now just for location-wise, guys, the the Farmerville Ludwig is when you're going on the Highway 33 towards Ruston. As soon as you cross the lake, you'll see Rhett's Tails and Shells on the left. Ludwig is right beside it, right? Just right there. You'll see it. And then when you're yes, in Monroe, sir. it's on 165 South. Um, just uh, right before you get to Washtenaw Christian, you'll see Ludwig on the right. So it's the old, uh, I believe it's Lynn John's uh, location, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah. Perfect place for a boat dealership got a large lot good guys work at both of them you can't go wrong you go talk to these guys out at Ludwig I've been knowing Matt and Mitch my whole life um and so you know Mitch is gonna do you right uh I'm telling when I say whole life dude I'm talking about we was little bitty itty bitty boys growing up so I've known <laughs> I've known that big-headed rascal for a long time uh been one of the best bosses I've ever worked for well you know I believe, I remember when they worked, I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the glass plant or the OSB facility over in Simsboro, but they worked over there as millwrights, I believe. And That's uh, it. just started this bit, you know, just kind of went out. They knew, of course, they were racing boats at the time. Um, right. And I don't know if it was like professional racing or just some of that blue collar stuff we used to do on Lake Darvon. But I mean, those guys, you know, Mitch has always been able to fix stuff. Uh, right. And they took to it. And walked out on that limb like small business owners do. And now here they are. Man, it's a great success story right here in North Louisiana. And, uh, you know, if you guys need any kind of stuff from boating-wise assistance, go check them out. They're going to do you right. So, hey, dude, I appreciate you tonight, man. I'm about to go cook some supper. and uh, Yes, sir. And edit this thing down. And so uh, you've been a good podcast, brother, and I really appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you, and have a good night. You too. Well, we did a little something different. I hope you guys like it. I want to do more fishing stuff, so if you like the fishing, let me know. Uh, I want to make sure I'm getting you guys stuff that you want to hear. So, I'm liking Gary. Gary's a good dude. I'm going to take my boat out to Ludwig, let him work on it, do a little maintenance to it. I got some things I need to be fixed. If you guys need anything, call them up. Go see them. They're great guys. They're going to take care of you and do you right. Go check out our Facebook page. We've got all kind of t-shirts, hoodies, a couple hats left over. I got some more t-shirts ordered that I think you guys are going to like. Um, so, man, it's, it's going to be good. 2023 is going to be great for this podcast. We're going to grow. Like I said, I'd like to incorporate some fishing. So if you guys like that kind of stuff, keep feeding me some, some stuff to talk about, some people to talk to, and we'll get it going. My name is Greg Hicks. This is the Antlers and Hicks podcast. And as always, I'm going to encourage you guys to live your life past 20 yards. We'll see you next time.